welcome to today's episode of Big Beautiful Basses. I am your host, Kimberly Plesia, and today I have such a badass on. She is survivor. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much that I have to tell you about this woman. But before we get started, guys, if you like what I'm doing, if you want to help support what I'm doing, please go over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. You guys already know I live on coffee. Like caffeine keeps me sane, <laughs> keeps me out of jail. Caffeine is life juice for me. So if you go over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life, you can sign up as a follower. That way you're getting all the juicy tidbits. You're going to find out some stuff that's coming up that I post there before I post on other social medias. So that's where you get the tea. But if you do become a member, it's $5 a month, cheaper than Starbucks. And as my free gift to you for being a member, you get my guided journals completely free of charge. So buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. Thank you so much for being here today, Helen. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's great to see you. And I have my coffee. I agree. It is life juice. <laughs> I drank my coffee already. I am now working on the can of Monster. <laughs> I've got to tell you, this daylight savings time thing, losing an hour of sleep is a real struggle. I, it, yeah. It's killing me today. I think I'm on like four hours of sleep. So oh it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you guys, Helen, like I said, she is a survivor. She's a breast cancer survivor. She is the host of the C Word Radio podcast show. She is wife, a fur baby mom. She does it all. This woman is a true badass, Miss Helen King. So before we get started, Helen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself that I haven't already shared? Oh my goodness. I f yeah, well, seat fur babies, uh, I'm hopeful, will not interrupt this. <laughs> this same. <laughs> I've given them stern warnings. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm from Auckland, New Zealand, and you've hit most of the main things there. Isn't it funny? I always struggle to explain who I am because I, I sort of, you know, you get really sort of, your life is your life and you don't think it's very interesting. But yeah, I'm a former journalist. I love podcasting um and I am yeah I'm really passionate about um spreading the word of um yeah badassery and survivorship <laughs> I love it. well and that's what we're going to talk about is you know one dealing with medical fat phobia which is such oh. a real thing and I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people realize how real it truly is um so let's let's dive in right there, that medical fat phobia, because yeah. I remember you commented that when you were talking to a doctor about the reconstructive surgery portion, they pretty much said you are too fat for us to do this. Yes, <laughs> I guess they did. <laughs> you know, I in New Zealand, do you guys get Grey's Anatomy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I just, just got caught up last night and one of the episodes, a woman went in with a knee problem mm. 
said that she had, you know, cortisone injections that don't really work, blah, blah, blah. And the doctor flat out said, well, maybe if you lose 10 to 15 pounds, it'll make a difference. And she got, oh, she was pissed. Rightfully so. Because that is medical fat phobia. Yeah. Well, as she is walking away, they notice she has what's called a foot drop, which is a problem walking. Mm. And it was brought to the attention of the doctor that even losing 10, 15, 20, 50 pounds would not affect that issue. But because of her weight, she was ignored. Yeah. Later in in that episode, it goes to Dr. Bailey and they start talking about BMI. Yeah. And Dr. Bailey pretty much mirrored my opinion that BMI is bullshit. Yes. It was created by insurance companies. Yeah. The higher BMI, the higher the insurance companies will charge. That's the only yes. reason they look at BMI because of money. Yeah. It's crazy. I, it's crazy to me that they still use the BMI as any sort of measure of of what someone's health or you know general worth in society is. Well, yeah. and it's based off of European men. Yes. The yeah. whole system of BMI is based off of white European men. It does not take in <clears throat> bone density. It does not take into factor gender. Doesn't take any of that into factor. No. It's just no. designed to make you feel like crap. Yeah. Absolutely. So my I guess, yeah, like I've had lots of different experiences, but I think um so tw- I I was diagnosed with breast cancer in twenty eighteen and um the course of treatment was a mastectomy of the breast that had the tumors in and then looking at reconstruction. And because of the size of my breasts, um, the type of reconstruction that was recommended was a type where they take part of, they can either take stomach uh, muscle or, you know, parts from there or from your back. And um, they reconstruct a new breast and then I think they reduce the other one and sort of try and make them. And make them look vaguely similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, and that is quite a, a long surgery. And so basically they said, look, um, we wouldn't recommend, um, you know, just sort of silicone implants. It just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't get a nice result. So they recommended the, it's either a tram flap or a DF flap. But because of your BMI, it would be too dangerous. <laughs> For you to have that, so wait two years post-diagnosis, which is quite normal for, you know, them doing different things. They were, um, because those two years after diagnosis can be uh, often the sort of danger zones um, for Uh reoccurrence. Um, But yeah, and come back when you have lost X amount of weight and then we will reconstruct you. And recently I've been looking into this because I was thinking about it and there are... There are medical, you know, proper research papers that look into this to look into is there elevated risk? Is there more risk? And there are quite a few that point to there's a slight risk and it's around healing. But, um, you know, at least three of these studies that I've found have said um, 
you should look at not excluding people with higher BMIs from this type of reconstruction. Yeah. I just, the, the medical field with fat phobia just mm. floors me. And it really, from my own personal experiences, it makes me really question how many plus size people mm. are not getting proper medical treatment or not yeah. getting treatment at all. Because yeah. A, they're either dealing with the fat phobia or they just don't go because they're afraid of yeah. having to deal with the fat phobia. Because yeah. with that, I don't think people, you know, as you know, straight sized people really kind of get what that does to a person mm-hmm. when you are mistreated. Yeah. Medically, you're going in for an issue that is a real medical problem and it is completely dismissed because of your weight. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That brings on shame. It brings on fear. It brings on anger, rightfully so. Mm. But it gets you to a point where you just say, screw it. I'm not going to deal with this. And you just quit going to the doctor. Yeah. And then you end up in situations that can be detrimental to your health. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes, and I don't know if you've come across this, um, <clears throat> they're on Instagram, they have a podcast, The Fat Doctor UK, and I was listening to some of their um, their episodes and they were talking about, you know, is it, the the um the person's size or yeah is it that stigma is it the fact that these that a lot of people will wait because I know I have I can't and this isn't this was never going to be a life-threatening disease but I hurt one of my big toes (laughs) and it just started hurting you know oh but I I actually put off going to see the doctor for about a year and I um ended up being referred on to a podiatrist and he didn't mention my weight ever. He, there was no there was no mention of it. And I ended up getting an ultrasound. And what was wrong was that the, I have osteoarthritis in my big toe. And he said that's actually very normal for women um, over about the age of 35. Often when we're younger, we might have been trying to, you know, get our hooves into <laughs> <laughs> And so he said it's really normal. Like there's nothing. It's just this is you know you're aging, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and can't reverse that. And um, I had tears in the cut ca- in the capsule, and I was thinking this is crazy. I walked around in pain for a year because I didn't want to go to the doctor. Um, and her tell me it was probably you know because there's that fear of I don't want to go and I don't mm-hmm. want her to pull out that bloody scale and be put on it because my toe hurts (laughs) totally understand I went through so I have nerve damage in my right Mm. leg because Mm. of dealing with a fat phobic doctor who misdiagnosed it and put it off as you just need to lose weight 
and you won't have this pain in your leg. Mm. Well, no, I had a nerve that was pinched. Oh, yeah. Weight is not going to affect a pinched nerve. And it got pinched so bad and so long that it actually ended up damaging the nerve. And so now I can't feel half my leg. Wow. Well, then, you know, finally got that diagnostic, our diagnosis taken care of. You know, I'm on nerve medication to help with it. Well, then probably, well, the pain first started right after my grandson was born. Started having pain in my knee on that same leg. And I was like, you know, it's not that bad. I can deal with it. Mm. My knee just needs to pop. Dealt with it for a year. Finally got to a point where last October we went out to Vegas. I could Mm. not walk. Mm. I was riding a mobile cart, which I highly recommend anyways. That made life so easy. (laughs) (laughs) But then I come back from Vegas and I go to the doctor for a regular physical. I Mm. literally fell. My knee could not bear weight at all. I collapsed outside the doctor's office and Mm. had to have people come and help me up, which is embarrassing to begin with. Mm. And then I go to an osteo or an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. And they did the cortisone shot, but he was like, you know, you have no cartilage. You've got arthritis in your knee. The cartilage is gone. It's bone on bone. But we're not going to replace it yet because you need to lose weight. And I'm kind of like, you know, you were doing so good. You gave me the shot. You took away the pain. And then you had to go there. And it's like, you know, just replace the damn knee. Yeah. But to tell me that you know, I need to lose weight. I am already, and I, I actually kind of talked about this a little bit on an episode of one of my other podcasts, but mm. I am dealing with an eating disorder. Mm. It's not something that I, I never put two and two together. You know, when you're in a bigger body, you don't yeah. think of, bulimia being something you deal with yeah yeah but after putting two and two together talking with my regular physician we figured out that i am dealing with um non-purging bulimia which means i will binge Mm. but i won't purge afterwards yeah yeah so when you're already dealing with an eating disorder being told to lose weight is one of the most damaging things somebody can do. It's crazy, isn't it? And I, I feel like so much, so much shame is put on you when you're bigger. So I, I guess I, I would be like I can, I can still go into set like a very select few shops and you know find clothes or there are plus size clothes. And so you know, um, so I know I have some privileges in in that respect. Um. I still, I, I look at my experience because I've like so many larger people, like I'm a, I'm a weight cycler. Like I have dieted, you know, since I was a young, 
like teenager, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a smaller person then and then, yeah. Then the weight cycling started to happen. And it's really interesting um, when you go through something like cancer because when you look at the when you look at lots of different cancers like breast cancer, bowel cancer, or you know, whatever, um, obesity is always tacked on as a risk factor. <laughs> you know, it's always just sort of put mm-hmm. on in there, like, you know, um, with everything else. And so oh, yeah. it's really interesting because you start thinking, well, did I cause this? Is this my fault? Because cancer is right? one of those things where actually it just happens, you know? And even if, like, it's such a shitty disease, like, blame should never come into it because right? you wouldn't you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy and I remember saying to my oncologist um if I you know if I lose weight does that mean my do I give myself a better chance of the cancer not coming back and he said to me I can't even say that he said you know so many different people come through my office you know really really fit people or you know variations and he said that he thought that there's too much emphasis put on fat. And I thought, gosh, this is an intriguing. <laughs> this is intriguing. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and I I totally get that of you know, you question if you caused it. I last November I caught COVID. Yeah. And my recovery was so different from my husband's. Two weeks he was up moving around, he was good. It is now March. I ended up uh, with hypoxia due to respiratory failure from COVID. And what that means is I've got organs that have started shutting down. Wow. I am on full-time oxygen. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice now because I did an episode earlier about an hour ago. And now I'm doing this one. My voice is already cutting out. Because uh, yeah. my lungs, um, it, I've got diminished capacity in my lungs. Mm. You know, I and my doctor even said, you know, he doesn't see people that it takes this long to recover. And I am now on, you know, long-term disability. Yeah. I don't know what my life is going to look like. And, you know, I do have that thought in the back of my mind is, of did I cause this? Mm. I know this happened because I got COVID because I wasn't on oxygen before COVID. But you still have that question of, is this yep. my fault? Yeah. Did I do this to myself? Am I ultimately doing this to my husband? Because he's picking up the slack. Mm. And it's like, where does that cycle end? Yeah. Four plus size bodies, where does that cycle of blame and shame end for us? Mm. Because it's everywhere. It's in the medical field. It's in clothes. It's in restaurants. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet. You're, if you have a good <laughs> all-you-can-eat buffet, you best bet you're going to have bigger people there. Yet they have seating that does not accommodate larger bodies. Mm. Mm. And I have seen 
my husband is, you know, wears an extra large. Yeah. He's, you know, a little on the plus side, but not very much. But that man can put away food. <laughs> I have seen it happen. I'm like, are your legs hollow? Yeah. You know, and I am the person, because, and now we figured out because of the eating disorder, I don't eat it in public because I feel like I'm being judged for every bite that I may put in my mouth in front of oh anybody. I can eat in front of my husband. Yeah. But we went out for my birthday and it was my husband, my daughter, my stepdaughter, my father-in-law. People that I've had multiple meals in front of. Mm. I could eat some of the appetizers. Yeah. I could not eat my entree. Mm. A freaking chicken sandwich, I couldn't do it. Because I questioned, are they going to judge me? Are they going to look at me funny mm. for eating this and enjoying it? Yeah. I don't yeah, and I don't think people realize that mental struggle that a lot of us do go through when we have, you know, larger bodies. Um you know, as you've been talking, I know that I've been through it, you know, I still get a bit self-conscious and I've definitely been through phases like that where I'm like, nah. <laughs> not eating in public. But I yeah, it's it's really it's really frustrating that we still judge bigger bodies in the way that we do. Because I I don't know, I sort of I think about my experience with chemo and um all of my all of my bloods because when you have chemotherapy if, before each cycle you have to have a blood test and they just make sure that everything's okay if there uh if you know something's wrong you won't go through it and things my bloods stayed normal <laughs> the entire time and i had i mean my oncologist nuked me. He gave me as much chemotherapy <laughs> as he could. I love you said he nuked you. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I think, yeah, like I had a bigger body and and sometimes I think maybe that helped, you know. I was sturdy. I kind of, yeah, got through, got through it. Oh, my God, I love this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I... That is like the most positive way to look at, you know, chemo, you know, you're going through this, you know, medical procedure that is not fun. No. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, bring it on. Send the nuke set. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, re it's crazy. And it, it really makes me sad because there is a lot of, because um, women often or people, especially when you've had, I think when you've had breast cancer, so I didn't have hormone involvement. So mine was HER2 positive. So that's the HER2 protein goes nuts and decides to do what it shouldn't. But um, a lot of people who might have, you know, estrogen dominant or estrogen and progesterone will be put into a forced menopause. And menopause, I was also put into a forced menopause. For, oh my God, it is hell. And so... It, in that state, your body is not, like, it's very difficult to lose weight. And what really breaks my heart is there is, are a lot of women who may have been like me and haven't had reconstruction, so you might, you know, be have one boob um, with a one boob club. Um, 
but now you are deemed too big to be able to get your reconstruction. And these women beat themselves up. But it's like, A, you've been through a hugely traumatizing experience. Um, you know, what it does to your body. You're probably in forced menopause, which, you know, makes you tired. And, you know, everything is... The sweat. Yeah, the sweating. Yeah. I don't know how many times I literally have... Because we have a window air conditioning unit. Yeah. And I've got a six-foot privacy fence in my backyard. Yeah. I will go literally and stand in front of that AC (laughs) unit with my shirt pulled out and my boobs lifted up. (laughs) Just because it's like, oh my God, I'm dying. Yeah. And then the swamp ass. Oh my God. (laughs) And when you're bigger, like straight size women deal with this too. But when you are bigger, that sweat has more places to sit. Yeah. You got those, you know, those side rolls and you know yeah. wherever you have if you got an apron stomach like I do yeah girl things can hide in there <laughs> yes yes yeah and menopause is not fun for anybody no I don't know horrific. any woman who has said menopause is great for me who I no. miss having periods 100% no I I I don't miss that at all. But <laughs> I hate the hot flashes. Oh, they're horrific. They're so oh bad. They are so not bad. Words. <laughs> no, but I just yeah, I feel like yeah, so much of what larger people deal with is the shame about our bodies and I feel like there's yeah it's like it it takes away so much enjoyment out of life and I'll I mean the other experience that I've had because I hadn't had children when I got cancer um I was funded to get my eggs retrieved and technically I was not meant to be eligible for it because of my BMI but um the the doctor did sort of just push it through but when it came time to because you have to wait two years and so Mm -hmm. we waited two years I have a partner um we so we had embryos on ice and it would have been maybe two or three months before I turned 40 because they won't fund the transfer if you're over 40 and I basically would have had to have lost a significant amount of weight um in two or three months And I just looked at her and I said, does that mean that my chances of the of the transfer working will, you know, increase? And she's like, I know I can't like not. And so actually the 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 factor is my age. Like I'm 41 now. And so actually the main thing here is that when those eggs were retrieved I was a 37 year old woman who already had decreasing fertility as you are when you're in your late 30s and it's my age that is the factor you know it's I can't do anything about that and it was so intriguing to me because I posted about this on my Facebook page and even though I clearly said you know I'm 40 now at the time this is, you know, that's the challenge. Everyone's like, oh, my sister's cousin's neighbor lost 
situation she got and it's just like no people it's not about that have absolutely nothing to do with that it had you know and age does play such a big factor yeah in successful pregnancy yes weight i mean i i know i've heard some things about you know weight playing a factor in having a successful pregnancy yeah you know, just because, you know, when you are bigger, you do, you know, there are some higher risks, elevated yeah. blood pressure, things of that nature that can affect pregnancy and diabetes. Mm. But I, I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, they tested me five different times, swearing yeah. that I had to have gestational diabetes. Negative every time. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I did have complications during my pregnancy, but they were not weight related. Chicken pox mm. does not care about your weight. No. And I got oh chicken pox. That wow. sucks. <laughs> that wow. sucks. But, you know, a, a car wreck dealt with that during my pregnancy. Weight had nothing to do with that. The issues that I had were not weight-related whatsoever. Yeah. So why are we putting such a focus on it? And that's honestly what I love about the Hayes movement, health at every size. Because you can be bigger and have beautiful blood pressure and beautiful Mm. cholesterol and have all the numbers right except that BMI Mm -hmm. or you could be a straight size size six female perfectly proportioned perfect BMI that has high blood pressure has high cholesterol cholesterol, has all those issues Hmm. weight is a number yeah that is all it is is a number. Yeah. And I I wish that we could focus more on the person mm. rather than the size. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I cuz I've been thinking about this recently and um I was talking to a friend about this who is a straight size and I said to her, "How often does your GP, which is, you know, your primary physician, weigh you?" And she's like, "Oh, I don't know, maybe once in the past 2 years." And it's like, "My doctor weighs me mm-hmm. maybe every time or every second time I go and see her." And I was really curious, and I thought, I wonder what other people... So I would love to know if people watch this later or listen to it and um, can let us know, like, how often does your primary physician weigh you? I would love to know that as well, because they they put me on the scale every time I go in. I'm going in for an oxygen evaluation. (laughs) I'm not going in for anything else. We're going in to see where my oxygen levels are at. To see yeah. if we have improvement in how I breathe. Yeah. Explain this to me like I'm two. Because, yeah. 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 Doesn't work like that. So, definitely, I, I'm going to second that question. I want to know, and I, I don't want to know the number on the scale. I don't care about no. the number on the scale. But how frequently mm. does your primary p- physician take your weight? Mm. 
Is it every visit, every other visit, never? What is the frequency on that? Because that's a huge question. And mm. the, I'm going to tack a, tack a second question onto it. Um, if you are a straight-sized person, or yes. even on the uber-thin you know, range where you're, you weigh less than what the primary target is, do, does your doctor have that same conversation with you hmm. that they, they have with us of we have to lose weight? Does your doctor harp on the fact that you need to gain weight, that yeah. you being too thin is what ca- is causing your medical issue? That's, yeah. That would be interesting to know if people who are thinner than the average, if mm. they get those same comments. Yeah. So I I want to know that. I yeah. mean, this isn't me be, trying to be nosy or facetious. I'm actually curious about this now. Yeah. So please leave us a comment, letting us know. You can tag me in it because um, I'll see all of it anyways. I will hmm. tag Helen in it because I want to get a conversation going about this. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be huge. In fact, I think, I think so. I'm also going to make something on Instagram to because you know if you're like if you're anything like me, you you do speak you know your feet is curated with yeah. a lot of larger bodies. Yes. So I want to ask other women this question. Mm. God, I'm glad we brought that up. <laughs> Well, guys, that is where we are going to leave this, too. I, I want to leave you pondering that. I think mm. that's the perfect spot to end this. Helen, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. I think it was hugely important. I think it brought some things definitely to light. Mm. You have one final question for you. Yes. doesn't really have much to do with the conversation we've had. But you know <laughs> me. I always have that final question. Yeah. If you, as a plus size woman, could go back in time and speak to you as a straight size woman, mm. would you tell them? I would tell them that they are, that she's perfect the way she is and she doesn't need to change anything and that, um, yeah, and that it can all change overnight as I experienced later on. So just enjoy, enjoy what you have now and don't let other people's opinions of you change anything. I love that. Well, you guys, that is where we are going to end this today. I will be back next Sunday with an amazing guest. I've got a great friend coming on. I cannot wait for y'all to meet her. She was on season one. She's coming back for season two. I will see you guys later. Stay happy, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Bye, guys.